Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. Dude, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We are at it again. Got myself Pete, and this time we have the OG Chris with us. Master of the hot takes. I'm, I'm back for you, Pete. What can I'm I do so, for you? I, I somehow convinced him to come back on. Man, I t- tell you, gaming's been rough for you since uh, Malifo or not Malifo, but uh, Guild Ball died. Um, yeah, well, I just haven't had a ton of time for gaming so everyone goes through lulls i guess that's true man i mean and it's actually good because you go through these resets and it kind of freshens your palate up a little bit and then you can go into i mean you've been playing a ton of board games so i know you're not totally out of gaming you're just kind of hanging out chilling with your friends and playing some board games yep played spirit island today it was great what what in the hell is spirit island it's this game it's uh this co-op game that uh, you each take control of like a spirit of this island that has people trying to like populate and control and colonize the island. And you're trying to like force them out by creating natural disasters and chase them off and create terror and all this stuff. It's actually pretty fun. So it kind of sounds like the plot to Lost. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So imagine <laughs> you're the smoke monster. Um, uh. And uh, that's that's kind of where it goes. Nice. Well, I mean, what we're going to talk about, Chris, I, I know that you haven't been a ton in Malifaux. You've played a handful of games. You at least kind of got a, an idea of how the game functions loosely. But the reason why I invited John is because we are going to talk Malifaux, but we're actually going to kind of compare what's going on because you, you haven't, you weren't even aware of this till I showed you today, but they had a bunch of new titles that they released all of them over Gen Con weekend. And these are basically second versions of each master. And... I told people this, that it's very it's very much the same system that War Machine and Hordes uses. And you and I both have a ton of experience with that. So we were actually going to talk about today some things that that system is good when you bring in a second t- title, basically, for that master or second version. And then we're also just going to talk about some things that maybe weird needs to be on the lookout for, because we both know there there are some hang ups when you start doing that as well. But before we get into it, make sure that you guys are checking us out on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we got the YouTube channel where we're actually going to start doing uh, close to a weekly stream event for Mandatory Malifaux. So you guys can check that out. It's probably going to be either Mondays, maybe Tuesdays. Depends on kind of what's going on that week. But it's going to be right there at the beginning of the week for you all. What and the hell is Mandatory Malifaux? Basically, it's just a stream that we just kind of started, did the test run on Friday. And basically, I get on there with maybe a handful of people in the chat. Maybe I invite somebody like Chris Yuen on, and we just kind of BS and talk about Malifaux, maybe some cool hotness that came out, maybe just a bitch about things. Who knows? You know, oh, I, can, I can do very well with the latter part of that. Yeah, we, we know, Chris. We've missed you. I, I've had to pull a lot of the slack up with the rage. Yeah, uh, other Chris <laughs> doesn't really do rage that much. 
No, he's our, it's kind of the running joke now where he's just, he's the absolutely guy. He's just like, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, he's just being agreeable. Well, fuck that. Yeah, it depends sometimes. When he, when I start talking about Bayou, he starts crying a little bit because he doesn't like my green skins. <laughs> well, that's just racism. But the reason why we can do all this cool content, the reason why we're doing the stream now is because we do have an awesome bunch of patrons who have really, really kind of been generous, donated to the podcast, kept the lights on, allow us to kind of expand and keep going. We do have a handful of new patrons and the latest three that I did want to shout out was we have Matt. I'm sorry, not going to try to say your last name. Looks like a, one too many L's for Pete. And then we have Corin, and then finally Kim. So we want to thank you guys for becoming patrons, supporting the podcast. We appreciate you. So Chris, yeah, we got. I showed you a handful of these new titles. So, so I have a question: with this new setup, can people see my face? Uh, no. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't release the video part of this. And good, that's because something... I have a face for radio. <laughs> you, you're kind of like those radio now, uh, radio people like that have the. Uh, the good voice, but maybe not the uh, Hollywood uh, body to go with it. Is that what you're saying? Really not keeping up with even that first part, but uh, <laughs> definitely face for podcasting. So happy you're not releasing the face portion of this. Good job. I can also pick my nose, so that's good. Yeah, you can. You can also, you know, maybe I, I know we're not going any further with that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want me to pull a Jeffrey Tubin on uh, this uh, stream? Okay. No, I don't. Keep keep it in the pants. Keep it in the pants. <laughs> so, Chris, you, you got to look at these cards that I sent you, and I told you that these are basically the second version of these masters. So, I mean, does this pretty much look the exact same thing that War Machine and Hordes did to you, or was it, was it a little different? So, okay, so every single one of these you sent me is like a version two. Yes, they're all version two that I sent you. Okay. So the OG master, I didn't send you the card of. These are all just new titles. Yeah, so I I mean, I like that War Machine and Hordes did that kind of, you know, character version one, two, three, etc. Um, and the reason why I liked it is because you, it really banks on those people that kind of start getting attached to the characters, yep. but maybe just want a slightly different a slightly different play style, but attach those characters. I mean, obviously the one that everyone knows that I would relate most to is those butcher one, two, and three. And to take him through the lore of the story and have him go from more of a support caster to losing his mind and doing all of the heavy lifting on his own. Uh, it fit with the lore of that world. And it also fit with, being able to give people some different play styles with that character. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, Butcher for Kador was definitely the one that you played with the War Machine. I mean, you you almost played that character exclusively, correct? Yep. So, yep. but let me ask you this, because I've, I've never seen it. I always saw you play Butcher 3. I never saw you play the other two. Well, do you think that I wanted to play as a sportcaster? <laughs> so you never wanted to mix it up? No. Well, I mean, so when I played as like a sportcaster, I so I actually started with Butcher One. Yeah. And uh, very quickly, I learned this guy isn't for me. <laughs> Let's go to one of the more evolved versions. 
Um, and then I went to Butcher 2, and then finally I went to Butcher 3, and I was like, ah, this just right, just like Goldilocks. Like you, you, you leveled up all yep. the way up. Yep. And then when I wanted, like, other support casters or to play, like, a jank game, um, I'd break out, like, the Old Witch or, you know, one of those other ones. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I found the version of Butcher that played best to my style, and so in, in that's a perfect example of where I was finding a character that I liked. I liked the lore of, I liked the aesthetic of, and then also kind of figured out exactly what was going to be the right fit as far as my play style. Yeah. And I think that, so right off the bat, I think you hit some really good positives that we're going to see with these new titles. So first off, if you really are attached to a master and they sucked in the past, like they're not good, hopefully your new version, your new title is going to be improved where it's like, okay, now I can play my favorite master because they don't suck anymore. I mean, that's definitely a benefit. So, I mean, I take it that like Ma Tucket, for instance, went from like barefoot in the kitchen with a wooden spoon to becoming <laughs> Colossus from Guild Ball. Is that accurate? Yeah, pretty much Ma Tucket went from, and not only that, she's a, she's a grand me Ma now. So apparently mm. some of her kids are having, you know, babies there. Uh, okay. Gremlins or hatched them or whatever gremlins do, but... <laughs> they uh yeah she and it's weird because she went from like this weird using the tricks kind of on foot and now she somehow hijacked this mechanical spider wasp thing and is focusing more on the mechanical part of it it's just it's kind of a cool idea that they have with her okay so it, like kind of let's let's let me kind of ask about this character from the standpoint of like kind of that support slash uh what do we want to call that person that would do all the heavy lifting themselves like that, that, uh, that, that MVP, the heavy hitter. The, yeah. That, uh, that MVP, that, uh, that star player versus, uh, I, and then I guess the third category would be kind of that janky player that, uh, the one that's, you know, all about kind of setting up that right jank. Yeah. Um, which of those kind of three categories in the triangle does she pull more most towards? Well, the, I mean, the original one was, I mean, she could do a lot of the heavy lifting, but really her crew was kind of using the, her tricks to gain profit. Whereas in this one, the newer one, she's going to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting because she can do things like ignore armor and she could do things like place models in very, you know, good spots where they're going to be able to go and score you points but i don't know she's just she's i think she's more interesting because but by you really didn't have ways for example to like ignore armor they didn't have ways um for things like her her new ability all terrain where she can basically ignore severe and hazardous and her crew can also ignore it so she she basically just gets around a lot of things that Bayou would have trouble with before Okay. And then her and then her harpoon gun is just hilarious. So there, there's just a lot of things that she's going to manipulate the board, but also just really punish the opponent. So really excited to see kind of how it's going to play out on the table when I end up getting the model. Hopefully, hopefully not too long from now. So when when you're looking at her, right, and so you're saying, okay, she's kind of going to have to be that spotlight character, that that all star MVP character, mm -hmm. um, and do most of the heavy lifting herself. 
does that mean that she is then leaning toward giving some support to her team? Or does that mean that her team is going to have to be lining up support for her? I think she's setting up the support for her team because she's going to do things like ignore the armor. So she's going to be the one to maybe finish off an armored model. She has a harpoon gun now so she can drag people in. And she can also set up her team because she can go ahead and do the secret tunnel and basically make a tunnel where somebody can then place X inches, you know, away. So she's going to be the one kind of doing a lot of the killing, but she's also going to do a lot of the setup maybe for a kill, or she's going to place a model to go run a scheme or something. So she's definitely, she's definitely the point guard. She's the quarterback running the plays and, and making this thing go. Okay. So you're probably going to be activating her early on in the turn. Uh, you could, it really, and it's kind of interesting because I, when I see a master like this, I do try to think when in the turn they would go. And if she's into something or if she, she wants to set something up early, like I can see her going first to finish a model off, but I can also see her going late to maybe wait until a model activates. So then she can start setting up the kill on it. Okay. So, so, so her, and, and again, we'll use like the Butcher 3 comparison here. So basically, she's a model where um, as soon as the moment is for her to uh, strike out and, and, and strike at whatever her target is that turn, whether that means somebody kind of getting them ready or whether that means that that opportunity is there right at the beginning, she's mm-hmm. looking for her spot. Whenever that spot opens up, you activate her. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I don't think there's a set. There's some masters where it's very clearly identified on their card. Like, oh, they need to go early to set up the turn. She's not one of those. She could probably go either or. Uh, she's also very defensive. She has armor too, and she has scamper still. Somehow on this, you know, huge spider, she can still push two inches if you cheat next to her. So, I mean, that's still something that's going to annoy the hell out of people. And what was the thing that you said about making a tunnel? So if you look at her bonus action with her create a trap, there's a trigger on there with a mask that basically when she puts a pit trap down, then if there's another Trixie model within two inches of that marker, they can place them within six of another pit trap marker. So basically it's like they drop down a tunnel and they pop up next to another pit trap that you have set up. Okay. Okay. So just some shenanigans, just some, you know, movement jank that you can use. Um, yeah, some like miners guild shit. Yeah, pretty. <laughs> you okay. still remember the miners, huh? Yep, yep, I do. The old diggy hole. Yep, diggy diggy hole. <laughs> so definitely, that's one of the positives that we're kind of talking about here. It's just difference in play style because, I mean, the other maw was more. See, the thing is, even though no matter how cool this mecha Mima is. I still like, I think I like the original mod better just because of things like the horrible holler and just because of things like um, the beginning of the turn, you get an ability based off of what you flip. So that's what's going to be the tricky part for me with each of these titles is which one do I like more? Kind of like what you said, even though you have multiple versions, I think most people are going to find either they like the original or they like the new. I don't know if there's going to be people who um, are always going to like both of them. Yeah, I, I... I tend to agree with that, that you kind of find the version that you, you like, and then, and then you, and then you want to just play that one. Yeah. And let me ask you, Chris, cause you did play Victoria's a little bit. 
the original one. So you did get a feel for kind of what they did. And when you played them the couple times, what feel did you get for the Victorias, the original ones? I felt like um, at times I was frustrated with them because I felt like they, uh, they're supposed to be like these combat ninjas. And Mm -hmm. I felt like because they were, their abilities and strengths were spread out over multiple models because they had that kind of dual master trait that uh, there were times where I was frustrated because I felt like, they weren't hard hitting enough. I wasn't able to get enough combat and damage out of them. Um, And I understand why it's because they're designed to where you kind of have two. And so you can't, you know, make both of them overpowered or anything, but I wanted something that was a little bit more heavy hitting like butcher three, where like he can, when he gets in there and when he gets his shot lined up, it's one shot, one kill. um, And he's, definitely able to deliver and so i I felt for what i expected to get out of them um which was lots of heavy combat and being able to kill a lot of stuff and then being badass ninjas that are you know like kill bill type shit um i didn't really get as much of that as i wanted because it was spread out over two masters so when you look at the second version this twin blade card I know that you kind of just started looking at it and I showed you it before when it first got revealed, but do you think this more accurately kind of fits what you feel the VIX should do? They're one model and they have all these new abilities. Yeah. I mean, um, I like that when, when you really want to kill something Mm -hmm. and you need additional tools to usually be able to do it, right? Like it's not just about the, you know, the damage, table and 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 what the damage table says like you need to be able to find other ways to add more to it um and so i i guess yeah i feel like they do that um i mean you're able to recognize the nuances of this better than me so yeah i was going to tell you some of the highlights that i think that and you can tell me if you think this fixes the problems that you had with the vix before but i mean on the front of the card they reduce all damage from range attacks by two so what they get shot with, you're just going to reduce it by two. Uh, let's see here. They still have, uh, well, the one thing they added that's also really good is that they have diving charge. So this means they can charge even if they're engaged. They can charge through terrain. Yeah, so I like they, that. I, yeah. I like that. Like if I have a chance that I I, I want to go get this person, I can just fucking get them. Yeah, well, you can even do something where it's like, oh, I'm going to hide behind this, you know, house and then just charge through the house. Yeah. Just go right through the window. I'm, I'm for that. And then another thing that kind of really impressed me with the weapon is one, it's a stat six, but it has a positive to it. So that means you're flipping two cards instead of one. And the damage is super sweet. It's three, four, six, and you can move the VIX up to two inches, ignoring other models. So it gives you some mobility, but it also has crit strike, which means that damage is going to go up to four, five, seven. And then finally, it also has sweeping strike, which means you can put the blast um, onto a model next to the one that you're striking. So again, it lets them get some splash damage. You can, you know, get a ram in there to go ahead and get plus one damage. I just feel like that attacks doing a lot more pain to the model. Um, and, and going to hopefully kill a lot more stuff when you play this Vix. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of get the sense that, you know, masters obviously go a little bit higher, but, um, 
if you're able to do, you know, 10 damage to a model on a turn, I think that kills most models, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd say probably the average for models is somewhere between like maybe six to eight points of damage. Okay. Minions so, are going to be somewhere around five or six. The better ones are going to be around eight usually. Okay, and with like things like being able to charge through, you're able to get a couple attacks, and let's say it's kind of average. I mean, you know, doing, you know, four to five damage per attack. I mean, you're you're looking at doing, you know, somewhere around nine in a turn. Is that is that pretty like yeah, it, I mean, pretty consistently? You're getting nine. Is that is it, am I reading this right? Yeah, I mean, if you hit with all three, you're getting min nine, and then if you stone for rams or if you flip a ram. I mean, then you're going to make that min four. So, I, I mean, it's very easy to do nine, especially if you got the cards for it, plus you're flipping positive. So you're likely to hit some high cards there. And the other one that I know you don't probably know just because you're not deep into the rules yet, Chris, is that she has a, an ability called 1,000 cuts. So basically, when you get this off, anything within one inch, if they do an action or if they move, they're going to take hazardous uh, terrain damage. So what that means is each time I do an attack, if I'm within one of the Vic, I'm going to take a point of damage. So okay. every time you do something next to them, taking a point of damage. So there's just a lot of damage that's going out with this. And it actually has a decent ability to remove scheme markers and draw cards, um, which is just good. Or draw the, yeah, drop the, draw the top card of the discard pile. That's always good. I love that rule. So, just out of those rules, Chris, does this seem like it's more like if the original Vix were more of the Butcher 1, you know, maybe they're doing some cute things. Is this leaning more towards the Butcher 3 range where you're like, I would rather play this Vix over the original? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm all, I'm always going to. It's not a, it's not a difficult recipe with me. Um, just like somebody that, you know, they're always going to want spicier food or something like that. <laughs> I'm always going to want the more killy damagey models right i i i for those that have been listening to the podcast for a long time you know the story about uh me playing what's that game with the boats that i played with clay oh that was the uh <laughs> that was what was it It was the warhammer fantasy dreadfleet that's what the game is called okay called so Dread basically Fleet. it's like pirate ships going to going to war and you're supposed to like pull alongside the other pirate ships and shoot just like a cannon battle um but i found like the one boat in the fleet that had like a hammer on the front of it and so uh i got that damn thing and i just like hammered the shit out of clay's boats <laughs> and clay was like this is fucking bullshit that you're just gonna like play this melee game even in a boat pirate ship battle game chris finds the one boat that can yeah. hammer people Jeez. so yeah if uh... i can like ninja the shit out of some people with these chicks consistently then yes i am much more interested so looking at these titles once again so we see the positive it's going to freshen the game up hopefully you can find a master that is going to do something that you're you're maybe you're more enjoying um the other thing that i didn't show you chris but there's actually so the way they're packaging these masters is they're packaging their master with a master from another faction. And then they're putting a model in there that both of those masters can use. So essentially you're getting a box with two masters. They could be from two different factions, which they all are. And then there's basically like a, an enforcer or a minion also in the box. But so doesn't think, that kind of suck that you have to like buy two masters that like one you could just not give a shit about? 
It, so that's kind of what I was going to ask you is looking at the way that packages, if you're just like the Kador player, in this case, if you're just the out or the outcast player, all of a sudden you're stuck with another model from, let's say, 10 Thunderers. So I don't know what you think about that. I'm against it. <laughs> I think it's a way that they make you buy more shit that you don't need. Well, if you're somebody like me who likes to get into extra stuff, I don't look at it as bad because... For example, I got this Hoffman box, which is a big stompy robot coming in, and I should get it tomorrow. And it comes with, uh, I want to say it's Von Stuck. Yeah, or no, sorry, Von Schill. So Von Schill is an outcast master, and I, I don't have any outcast stuff right now. But that model looks cool enough where I might pick up Von Schill's crew. So they, they might get me with that gimmick. Yeah, see, that's, and, and that's what their goal is. But for most people, in a practical way, what it actually creates is this stress fest where you're trying to like find somebody else to be a partner and going in with the box that wants this other model and you're just not into it. So you're, you know, you're, you're getting the guy in the group that'll just go along with anything and agree to buy the shitty model, or you're getting lucky and finding a match pair with somebody that wants exactly that because they already play that faction or yeah, and I get what they're doing because obviously somebody like me, you can make more money because like, oh, now they're going to buy that core box too. But also kind of like what you were saying, I don't know. I don't know why more companies are moving away from blisters. Like you've noticed that with tabletop gaming. Yep. And I don't know if it's just more economic, if, it, if they make more money off it because they're like, oh, well, they're going to buy into this now. But I miss the blister days, man, where you could pick a blister up for like 15, 20 bucks. Well, I, I, I don't have any problem with somebody buying a box. Like, I, I think that buying a, a box is convenient and maybe it can save someone money if they're, you know, buying five models together, but then make them five models that play together. Yeah. You know, like, okay, fine. There are, there are multiple models in this set that you showed me that are, you know, so Von Schill is outcast and the Victorias are outcast, right? Yeah. So why don't you just put both of them in the outcast things? I mean, yeah, like I, you I, sell an outcast master's box, like fine. Yeah, that would make sense, right? Yeah. If you want to make people buy two models, fine, make them buy two models, but make them buy the two outcasts. And then you're, you're actually probably more likely to do business because if somebody wants the Victoria's, they're going to buy the Victoria's models. And then obviously maybe they already have bought or they will buy the, corresponding crew and so you're selling that box and then because they're already into the outcast they're like okay well i'll play von Schill too and then i'll buy his box so i actually think it would be smarter to if you want to stick with this making people buy more models theory then you use it in a way that it gets people to buy more models uh, within the same faction within the same uh, crew yeah, and I just sent you a picture of one of the boxes, Chris, basically has uh, the one I just sent you has Reva, which is a resurrectionist uh, master, and then it has Karis, who's an outcast master, and then they have the one model in common that both those masters can use. Okay, that I think is more reasonable, but still not as reasonable as putting all the fucking outcast masters in one box. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that would make sense. It was kind of, I don't know if you remember when we were doing Guild Ball back in the day and they came out with all the veteran models from that one campaign and they put them all in the same damn box. 
it didn't matter what team they were on. They put them all together. Yeah. And that was frustrating because we all had to either buy the box and divvy it out or, which is what we had to do. And so, and then there was always somebody that like, nobody wanted this fucking model. (laughs) Nobody wanted this trash model from, I don't know, X, X faction. I don't know. Yeah. Nobody was playing the fucking alchemist or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely that, that's one part. This embrace the Ember box. Basically, I see like you know, the evil character from the movie The Nun, some <laughs> dude that is how HP Lovecraft sees himself, and then Phoenix from the X Men. Is that right? Yeah, it looks looks like it. You could uh, definitely do it that way. <laughs> wow, like the model actually is like Phoenix from the X Men. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that's interesting to me is. Because War Machine, when you got the, the you know, either the first, second, or third version of the Master, they were usually in a blister. Like, you picked up the Warcaster by itself, unless mm-hmm. it was in a starter box. I don't know. Maybe this is the way they could just package it and get it out quick to people. That's my guess, maybe. So, kind of getting into it, we're leaning a little bit this way, Chris. What do you think are some negatives of this title or multiple version of a Master? So, in War Machine, what was one of the negatives of having the different versions of the masters. Uh, it's more confusing for new players for sure. Right. Because you're like, Oh, well, which one is this? And you think you played against this before and then they have completely different abilities and you're like, well, this seems like some bullshit. <laughs> well, I, I think the biggest thing for war machine and I can see it with these Malifo titles too, is they, there's something similar but it's enough different where it's going to have a bunch of gotchas like, oh, I didn't know this version did that. And with War Machine, it was really bad with the feats, right? Because feats were basically what set up your win con in a lot of conditions in the in War Machine. So I think that was one of the big problems with War Machine was just the win con was kill, you know, and assassinate. And with so many different versions, there were so many different gotchas in the game. Because essentially, I mean, what, there's eight, and I'm just going to do this quick off the top of my head. It's probably not very accurate, but it's close enough, where I think there's about maybe eight eight masters in each faction, and what, we have about six or seven factions now? I'll double check that real quick. But even if we just say, you know, eight and seven, that's 56 masters that we had, and now you double them, so we're at like 112 masters now just from these different titles. I mean, that is the nature of miniatures games, right? Like large rosters that get a little unruly. Sorry, eight eight factions, so a little bit more than that. And But do you think that's a problem when we have so many just new things getting introduced at once? Um, I actually think that instead of creating all individual masters and having every single one of them be unique and different, having replicas that match playstyle makes it a little bit less unruly for those people that have gotten into the game and especially for the people that like the lore of the game where they they want to you know follow characters and follow stories um when it always has to be a new character and so there's always a new branch to the story um i think that it makes people less interested than people that are able to see the evolution of characters. And so um, I, I actually like this idea of, you know, creating a version two, a version three, and 
allowing people to stay attached to the characters that they like. But I'm I'm bigger into lore than most. So I think you're right though. I think that instead of just if they just dropped 56 new brand new models, I that would definitely be a lot. That would be a, this kind of huge bloat, but since you're staying with the same keyword system and you have the same master but you're just tweaking some of the functionality of it, that's definitely something that's that's positive. Do you think War Machine and Hordes did that, or do you think it was a little more over the top? Because some of the feats were so different, that was probably the thing that would throw people off a lot. I mean, it's been so long since I played War Machine and Hordes, so I don't know how those changes have played out in recent memory. Yeah, right. Um, I know. I don't know if you've heard this, that they're making announcements about significant changes to War Machine and Hordes. I did see some tweets about it, and I, in my head, I was like, oh, that's still a game. That's cute. <laughs> well, a lot of people like, well, the rumor that I kind of saw is some people are postulating that it means that a Mark IV is coming out of that game because they're in Mark III right now. Man, they're still in Mark III. That's been so long. It's been less than five years. They're I mean, about five, maybe six, maybe six years. Like Mark, it, it, it hasn't been like a crazy amount of time. I mean, Mark III, let's see here. So I, when did you move to South Carolina? I moved to South Carolina about five years ago, and Mark III had come out shortly before I moved to South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. That, so that sounds right. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, maybe that's part of the problem that War Machine and Hordes had is just the game didn't feel fresh anymore. Which is they, kind of amazing because Mark III was better than Mark II. I don't like, know. Noticeably I like, better. I, I don't know. I like Mark II better. I think you might be alone in that faction or in that camp. The changing to pre-measuring alone made it better. So you didn't have like stupid fucking moments where you're like, oh yeah, I'm eyeballing this. And I think that's 10 inches, but then it's 10.5. So you don't like, like the, you don't like the elitist where you can't pre-measure stuff. No, because you're what, what it's, what it's playing to is a skill that is actually outside of the, outside of what the game is supposed to measure in your abilities, right? Like somebody's spatial IQ and whether or not they can eyeball a cube being three by three or three and a half by three should not be the, the deciding factor of winning a tabletop game, right? Like tabletop players are people that are trying to, uh, trying to, master a rule set and they're really looking at the intricacies of uh, how models interplay with one another and they're not trying to test their personal spatial awareness. Yeah, and I think a lot of tabletop games have moved away from not allowing pre-measuring uh, just because it is kind of one, I mean, people cry about gatekeeping all the time, right? They're like, oh, you're gatekeeping the hobby. And that's one of the things I know people used to argue about where where it was just, it seemed like you were being punished for, like you were saying, something that's not even really a rule in the game. It's not even a function of the game. It's, it's your capability of eyeballing something, right? Yeah, and, and we know like somebody that is, like Andy is somebody that was a wizard with that shit. Like it, it, <laughs> if, and, and the thing is like that dude wore... Coke bottle thick glasses and couldn't see a thing. That's how he, that, well, you know, he could, he could tell what, but he could was. tell if it was going to be like, you know, a nine inch charge or whatever. Well, and it was to funny. the point where 
we would get to the point where if he said it was that, we knew that it was going to be right. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't really much of an argument because he had such a good reputation of being accurate with that. Uh, I, there are people that I am sure are on the other side where it could be the most simple measurement. They could use their fingers <laughs> and, and if they wanted to, and they would always get it wrong. Like I, there, there are just people that are like that, and those people shouldn't always feel like they're losing. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that as far as just gaming in general. And it's it's interesting to see with this coming out in Malifaux because there was something interesting that I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it, it, it was talking about basically how when you have a system that works, anytime you introduce something new, that's going to create some chaos and it's going to, it'll create some problems. Even if it's a good introduction of newness into, in this case, a game, it's going to shake things up and it's going to be a little chaotic and it might be bad for the game. I mean, that's the thing. Whenever you introduce this much new shit into the game, weird's taking a, a leap of faith here. They're, they're really putting some cool stuff out and, they're hoping you got to hope at that point it doesn't ruin your game what's the what's the leap of faith though i mean the new titles i mean you have you've had this new mark three that's not mark three but this uh third edition that's been out for now it probably going about on a year and a half two years and things have been shaken out they've had a couple of erratas they put a couple of new uh win conditions in the game or with the strats and schemes being updated and now you're putting all these new masters and with a lot of these masters, when you look at them, a lot of them have new abilities that have not previously been in the game. And anytime you do that, it can be a little, you know, it, it can cause some problems. So I'm kind of curious to see if any of these masters are just going to be super problematic for the game. Sure. And, and obviously that comes down to things like being able to play test, right? It comes down to, you know, age-old discussions that we've had about uh, whether or not you should have some power creep to keep people interested in buying the new models because they're strong and people feel like it makes them more competitive, so they, they feel an urgency to buy them. Is that power creep a negative for existing players that, uh, you know, now always feel like they're behind? Um you know, we, we could rehash all those discussions that we've had many, many times. And I don't know if you've had them with your new fancy Malifaux crowd that listens to the podcast now. But uh, th those are all things that need to be considered in a game. Um, I would I would guess that all of these new masters have some power creep to them. Now, let me ask you this. And, I, and people use power creep in a bad way. I actually think power creep shows progress in a game. So I, when I see something that's powerful, I don't automatically just poo-poo it because generally speaking, I think when you build powerful things for your fan base, it gets them interested. It makes them want to play it. It makes them want to buy stuff. If you just make these balanced, just boring, not interesting models, people aren't going to buy your game. So I do like that they're trying to push, you know, the, uh, the rules and the rule set, but I don't know if you know this, Chris, just because you don't you haven't done a ton of like actual build out of games. But when you're at a tournament, the way that you're going to reveal these titles is both people are going to pick their master at the same time. And then you're going to build out your crew. You don't reveal whether you're bringing the original or the title until you reveal your crew list. 
So if you prepare for, let's just say, original VIX, and all of a sudden you in your list reveal, oh, no, you brought the damn twin blades, whatever the hell they're called, and I didn't have planned for that at all, I might be screwed in that situation. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So, I mean, normally when you review lists and there's like multiple uh, multiple characters with different versions, mm-hmm. I'm having to put on my tournament list that I'm bringing for the sake of the examples that I gave earlier in the podcast, Butcher 3 and Old Witch 1. So you're, yep. so you're just saying that what I would put for this comparison is Butcher and Old Witch, and you don't know if I'm playing Butcher 1, 2, 3, or Old Witch 1 or 2? No, so the way it works is you would reveal Butcher, but then you wouldn't have to tell me which Butcher until we revealed our full list. Well, that's some fucking horse shit. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, I I think that somebody needs to make a change to the organized play document because they're asking for people to have, you know, gotcha fuck you moments that ruin someone's experience <laughs> before they even put models on the table. Well, and some of these masters are really severely different. The butcher for uh, that I showed you, the actual butcher card in Malifaux, right? Yeah, which we're going to have to talk about that, too. Yeah, and we will. So that version is very killy, which I think you were like, oh, yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Whereas his original is more like Butcher 1. He's actually a summoner, and he's not very hard hitting. So if you were at a tournament and you said, I'm playing Dashiell, I now have to guess, are you bringing the summoner or are you bringing the cold face killer? Well, anybody that knows me knows which one I'm bringing. (laughs) But that so and... Chris, I will tell you, and I, this is me as kind of an organizer, and I know other people have said the same thing. I think a lot of organizers are going to house rule this one a little bit because I'm going to, I know when I run a tournament with these new titles, I'm going to go, okay, pick your master. Okay, then reveal which title you're doing. Then build your list. And I think that's a lot more even keel and fair to people that are playing in those events. Well, it, it, it'll it'll be... Yeah, the, the thing that I really don't like about it is you're putting someone in a situation where before they even get their models on the table, they can realize, oh, well, this is just fruitless and I just got fucked over because, you know, I I didn't realize that they were picking this or I, I ha- we haven't gotten these models in at my shop yet, so I've never seen it before yeah. or whatever. Like, I mean, it, it just is going to create hard feelings. Yeah, so I think and I, if any... Anybody, of course, we do have people listening that do run tournaments. I mean, I would encourage, and I've told people this, that, I mean, as far as the way I'm planning on running events is straight up master. Are you bringing a double master? What title? Build your list out. That way there's no gotchas. You can, you know, see, because it's just dumb. I mean, some of these, some of these masters are so totally different from their original that it's just, it's just going to be dumb when you guess the wrong one. Because even if I know what your master does, if I'm guessing you're bringing the Killy Dashel, that's way different than if you're bringing the regular regular Dashel. It plays totally different. So, yeah, that's definitely something I encourage weird to think about. And I encourage everybody that's listening to this podcast to definitely take a second look at because I don't think that's going to work. I don't think I don't think it's going to be a, a positive play experience. Let's talk about this Dashel. We did this a little bit last week, Chris. But you being kind of a newer 
hopefully going to play Malifaux someday. Is this man? The kind you're of really master- trying to like hook me on this shit. I am. Is this the kind of master that you're like? Okay, I can I can do this. I I, I think so. Uh, well, let me let me give you the hi- let me give you the highlights here. Okay, so one. He can charge multiple times in an activation. Usually you can only charge once in an activation. If he charges, kills somebody, he can charge and attack somebody else. I so that's definitely something like that. <laughs> he also has rush. So it gives it plus two to his movement. So when he charges, he's going to be movement seven instead of movement five. Okay. Now going on to the back, he has himself a cleaver. And I'm going to say the art on this he looks a lot like the butcher from Gator. <laughs> like he also very, looks very like similar. the butcher's guild of uh, Guild Ball. Yeah, so his cleaver. I mean, I, I do have a type when it comes to uh, my do. tabletop games, uh, and they're all red. They're yeah, all red. there. There is a, a type that you know gives me the tingles. So <laughs> gives you that special feeling. Yep. And so he has a two-inch cleaver. Has three, four, five, which is which is really good. It's a solid weapon. Uh, he can get a second attack for free. So if he hits the mask, he basically gets the action again, but it reduces the damage by one. So it's a little less powerful, but you're getting a free attack. So, <coughs> excuse me. He actually, so this ability, Chris, probably reminds you of Butcher 3. So draw them in. So if if you get this off, enemy models that fail that test you get to push them four inches towards you. So that's almost exactly like the butcher ability that you saw with butcher three. Yeah, is there a way that I can do like a a spinning attack that hits all of them after I do that? Well, it's funny, funny thing you say that if you look at second slice, all enemy models within two suffer one damage. And if they only have one hitbox left after that, you do another one to kill them. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so you drag them in. You can do second slice to kill a model that has two wounds, and then you can go with your cleaver and smash somebody else in the face maybe once or twice. This model is definitely my type. <laughs> well, Chris, just look at some of the names of these abilities. So first off, Chris always breaks protocol. So there's a zero action being called break protocol. That kind of fits you. But then he has triggers like body bag, where he's just healing two, drop a corpse marker, just putting people in body bags. It's like the body bag game, right? And it's just, this guy's just a stone faced killer. He's just going to get in the mix and just kill shit. That's just it's what he's doing. Yeah. If I didn't know any better, I would think that like you went to the game developers and you're like, okay, I'm trying to get my buddy into this game. <laughs> Here's what we need to do in order to make him like this. Well, and the funny thing is I actually have uh, his keyword now. So this is a model you wouldn't even have to buy anything to uh, try out there. What's the keyword? Guard? Yep, it's called guard. He's basically like the leader of these guard models. Uh, one of the models here, I'll pull it up here so you can see it. But oh, so he's, he's sort of like a correctional officer. Yeah, kind of. So one of them has like these giant wolverine claws. And he mm. has big, his big pot belly and man boobs sticking out. Okay, uh, obviously something else I'm interested in. Yeah, and they have they have dogs too. They have guard dogs. Oh man, you are just like you are speaking my language. Yeah, and then they have a bunch of uh, riflemen with uh with these fourteen inch rifles, so you get to shoot shoot fuckers from range too. Yeah, they're like widowmakers. Yeah, there you go. So I, I think we might have Chris interested. We at least have him curious. He is curious of the guard and Dashel keyword. Yeah, I am. I am definitely. Uh, I am definitely butcher cur- curious. <laughs> 
anything with butcher in the keyword model title yeah, name all out. guild whatever yeah the, yeah get get that word butcher in there and i'm like I, I i even like the boys and the main character is butcher there you go have you watched the boys i have not well what the fuck are you doing with your life I don't know, man. There's so many stream services. How the hell am I going to watch everything? Well, that you know what I I recognize that challenge, but I could I could work on a list for you. No, there the you boys go. would definitely be on it. Yeah, I think you recommended that once. I just had, and I even I, isn't it on Amazon Prime? Yeah, do you have Amazon Prime? I do. So there's not an excuse there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, dude, get on that shit. The boys is awesome. Oh, it's man. like super. It's like what if superheroes go bad? I mean, maybe that's fair. Yeah. So there, there, there's some fucked upness in it. Don't watch yeah. it with your son. You, you will yeah. have an uncomfortable moment. Hey, hey, or, son, let's look out these superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, Chris, there's a lot of this uh, stuff in Guild that you might be interested in. There's a, there's one of them where she basically kills undead fuckers and and puts them in pine boxes. Well, I mean, I burying people alive. I mean, I, I did watch a number of casket matches when I was a kid with The Undertaker and probably Mankind or Kane. Um, um, that, so. that, that Mankind Undertaker match. Fucking yeah, beautiful. Which one? I mean, the Hell in a Cell, man. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the one that I think of, but there were many. There were. That one didn't even involve getting buried in a casket. We actually got to see Mick Foley in person. We did. Yeah, I got Sergeant Slaughter's autograph on my vinyl pop. I'm super happy with, yeah. with that. He asked me if I was in the Marine Corps. Though. I was like, no, sorry, I was only in the Army. <laughs> He's and like, the, that's and all right. The, the next year I went to that same con. So if, if for anybody that's never gone to uh, South Carolina Comic Con, it's, it's um, a good in con. Greenville, it, it's a great event. Um, and they get all sorts of, obviously it's comics focused, but they get all sorts of people. So the next year I went and they had Jake the Snake Roberts there. Ah, he, was he rough? Cause he's had issues. No, he was, he was pretty, he was, it seemed like he was doing pretty well. That's good. So, um, anyway, that's, <laughs> a, that, that's an aside for the, uh, the deep cuts for our, the listeners. Yeah, there you go. So I don't I don't know, Chris. I mean, going into it, you were you were definitely a big war machine player and you know you're you're definitely Malifaux curious, but I mean, do you think this is a good move for Weird? Do you think this is a good game a good move for the game of Malifaux? Do you think it's gonna be a positive shift? Well, if they're trying to get more players, and speaking only for myself, this butcher model has made me more interested than any other than that I've experienced. Um, more interested than in the Victorias, which initially got some interest from me, and more interested than the Dreamer crew, which also got some interest from me. Um, this Butcher one is definitely like tops on the list as far as like <laughs> my my type of play style, my type of model. Well, and here here's why I think, Chris, that that's a really good point that I think looking at some of these models the the one model that I sent you with Von Schill, where he's kind of like in this is huge armor and it looks like he's charging. I think there's a lot of models that are just going to really speak to people where they're really interested in them and pick it up. But I think also good for somebody like you, where you can get this straight up killer and Dashel and pick up his boxes, and you can win with that. But the good news is Dashel one is also good. So. 
you could almost do all the killie pools with Dashel 2. And then when you go, okay, well, I really, this has nothing to do with killing and I need to go do something else to win this game. You can bring Dashel 1 and still accomplish that goal. So you don't even have to bring another keyword. You can just bring the different version of the master. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Which other master is this Dashel Butcher version paired with? Uh, so they haven't released that one yet, so we actually don't know yet. Okay. So um, I, ne over the next probably six months, they have some of them that j actually are just coming out this week. Uh, but I assume somewhere over the next six months, you're going to start seeing these sprinkled in every month. Okay. Um, next question. Von Schill looks like he is in Warjack armor. So <laughs> is this basically just another version of Karchev? Uh, I don't think so. Um, because he has a couple of stompy robots that kind of work with him. But he's more like rocket launchers and jump boots and, and blowing stuff up with upgrades. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely not a... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that suit is, but it's definitely cool. Wait, is there any chance that this Butcher box is going to be sold with the Victoria's box? Uh, I mean, there is a possibility. I don't know... I don't know who Dashel got paired up with because I don't have the new book. Uh, maybe one of the listeners can go ahead and drop by what keyword and model is associated with Dashel. I think Dixon uh, told me, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Dude, well, Texas ass. Come on. He's probably still up. Uh, well, you know, actually, I, I can't text him because I think his phone's broken and he's got to get a new one. I'm like, Dixon, are you dead? And his brother told us he's getting a new phone, apparently. So, okay. So the Victorias, if I get those models, they will play with the old Victorias, right? Like yeah, the you old can... crew. Yes. The Victorias. Okay. Yep. So in theory, I could have like a perfect moment here where Dashel and the new Victorias get paired in the same box. I buy that box. I can take the Victorias with the old models that I already have, and then I could just buy the crew for this Butcher Dashel and then, yep. you know, play some games. Yep. Oh, man. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> I think it does sound good. I mean, it, this when we started playing Malifaux, I think we've been trying to find something that kind of fits your play style. I think this is the first one that they nailed where it's like, okay, this is Chris Ewan. Yeah. Man, I feel like somebody's like stalking me. And... And really try to like target just me. <laughs> I do talk to the guys from Weird. Do you? So, so I'm, I'm not saying I had anything to do with this, but I had nothing to do with this. Um, man, but I don't know, Chris. Like I said, I think it's going to be it's going to be good for the game. It's going to get a lot of interest. And mostly for people like me that play quite a bit, I think it's going to freshen up the game even more. Like you could freshen up the game a lot by switching stuff out. But the fact now you have a whole new title that's going to turn different models and different abilities on and off for your keyword. I think that's kind of a huge thing, too, as well. Oh, I know I can say that it's a turn on for me. Well, as soon as it said butcher, I'm just like, send this to Chris. Just have him look at it. He doesn't even know what the abilities do. He just needs to know that it's a butcher. Yeah, I. Uh, You're a simple it, man. It has my interest. I can pre-measure, right? You can pre-measure. Okay, good. Good. We gotta, with your, gotta make sure with your tape measure of exactness. Yep. Hey, tape measures only. <laughs> 
Hey, people don't, you know, widgets are a thing, but people don't won't give you as much shit as they did in Guild Ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true. I still one day have to learn the rules to Bushido and try and teach you how to play that. I, hey, I told you if you if you get it figured out, I'll I'll play it. Oh, that's like never gonna happen. Well, we're gonna hey, try. To is get there you. a community of people playing in uh in Savannah much? You for know, what for any of this shit? <laughs> uh, I mean, I haven't been down to Savannah in forever, so you'd have to go check it out yourself. I'm going to Savannah like all the time these days for work, so. If there's like a Savannah crew of people, that could interest me. Well, Chris, I, I know that you haven't played a ton of Malifaux, but what's either a game, board game, video game, something that's really kind of got, got you all super jazzed lately? Um, I love the board game Root. I don't know Root. if you've ever played Root. I've never even heard of it. Fantastic game. It was a Kickstarter. Um, they've now become very successful from the standpoint of releasing like multiple expansions and boxes uh it's an asymmetrical game but very well balanced and so um you know if you get one faction it's you're playing like almost a programming game where you're having to like set up your cards in such a way where you can do certain things every turn and add to your programming um other ones are you know where you're trying to do it through sheer volume of, uh, you know, character placement. Um, and then there's also others that they're trying to do it from like a sabotage type of a game. So um, the thing that I really like about it is uh, it is all, you can keep it fresh by always playing different factions because those factions have such different play styles. Um, and yet the game is very balanced. And so, um, yeah, when I, when I can kind of do my own thing or, or pick factions that have that, those, the features that I enjoy most, um, but yet the game's still balanced, uh, that's really what I like. And so, um, I've, I've really enjoyed that. And yeah, I, I think that's one that we should break out with like maybe you, me, Russ and Nick and, uh, give it a go sometime. You, you, you would, you would like it. Like you would definitely be able to find a a group to play in that game that you would enjoy. Yeah. I mean, anytime that I can get together and play a board game and just chill out and maybe drink some beer, I'm all about that just because to me, board games are almost like when I play commander for magic board games are very similar where if it's friends that I like, I don't really care what the board game is just because it's just, it's good just being with people that you like and, and playing those new games and experiences. Yeah. Yeah, lots of replayability in it. Um, and then the other game that we played recently that you're going to automatically like shut down on before <laughs> I even get it's into Steam it. Steamboard game, isn't it? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> it is that Horizon Zero Dawn game. That Horizon Zero uh, Dawn game is a lot of fun. Co-op listen, game. I I would I would try it with you guys just because I can appreciate what Jamie and that crew does, and I'm not buying anything, so I'm not you know fiscally. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's how you going to do your workaround? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I talked to Russ and he, he liked it too. He said he had a fun time with it. Yeah, the, the models are cool in it. Like you're, the, the theme of it's good. The, the rule set is good. Um, you're, it, it's challenging for the group. So it's not one that like you could just walk all over. Like we, we were playing something wrong in it and the game was pretty easy. And then we adjusted it and then the game was all of a sudden challenging. 
And so we, we had a lot of fun with that Horizon Zero Dawn game. And both Nick and I have like a fucking closet full of expansions because they each expansion <laughs> is basically like a whole new game. Nice. Yeah, big old boxes. Oh, man. I tell you. Well, that's good. That's we also Well, I see. And we just, folks, if you have Chris UN's information on Facebook, send him a bunch of annoying messages, get him to play Malifo and this butcher model so he can come on more often and talk shit. Maybe, wait, wait, is there a giveaway? Can I enter to win a giveaway for the butcher model? <laughs> Hey, I tell you what, man. I mean, if if weird for some reason sends us that box to pro- to you know basically look at, I won't even give it away. I'll just give it away to one of my good buds, uh, Chris. On, on, uh... <laughs> I, I feel like that would violate like any giveaway rules that have ever existed for giveaways. Well, well no, Be because like, oh, the way weird does it is they actually just do it to you to kind of just spoil or not even spoil, but just to review. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give it away just because I like to give back to the community. I, I mean, as a content creator, you don't have to. You can, you know, paint it, build it, put it on stream, and then just keep the model. There's nothing. I mean, I'm cool with you away. painting it and building it, and then yeah. just giving it over to me. All right, Chris. When's the last? <laughs> when's the last time you painted a model? Uh, it's been a long fucking time. <laughs> I probably have to buy all new paints. <laughs> I don't know. So a lot of those GW paints hold up as long as you got them capped off. Yeah, let's hope so. Fingers crossed. <laughs> You're going to open it up and be like, oh, man, this is like dried up silly putty. Uh, <laughs> damn it, those ball bearings I put in there have rusted out all of these. They're all rust colored. Oh, God, I forgot you did that. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't. I didn't. Oh, you didn't? Okay, no, good. No, no, I'm just kidding. But well, I know, ru- for I know those listening, don't do that shit. <laughs> well, yeah, don't forget they're in there. Yeah. <laughs> The better ones are like the the glass beads because the glass beads don't rust. If if somebody wants those in their shakers, so. All right, Chris. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to sign us off. We'll see if you remember how to do it. Oh, I definitely know how to do it. All right, Rage Nation. Until next time, flip cards and flip things. Peace. Peace.